What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 17, Visionary. I'm excited to talk about it. We have a big day here at the K&M Empire. By the time you see this, it will be too late. But tonight, for us, is the big Star Trek V watch-along at patreon.com slash K&M. Now, if you missed it, and you're a current patient, current patron, or a future patron, it will be up there archived on patreon.com slash KNM. But enough about that. I'm sure it went great and there were no technical difficulties mm-hmm, and I yeah. didn't say anything stupid uh, because it'll be live. Uh-oh. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing okay, Keith. Uh, 100%. It's going to be a disaster. No. Uh, you know, we're... we're we could live stream it on YouTube. We're going to start there. We're going to chat through there. And then we're going to have a little private picnic. We're going to do, you know how you do it by, mm-hmm. by the pool in the summertime, Keith, when you have friends and family, you project the movie up on the screen. Everybody has a great time. Can't really do that on YouTube because we like nope. to observe, you know, laws and and things. And there are a whole bunch of techniques that I've researched when people do mm-hmm. things like this. A lot of times, sometimes they'll play behind them on a screen and you can watch it. Or you say, okay, everybody log into your Paramount. Let's, we're going to uh-huh, start the movie sure. on three, two, one, go trying to make it as least least complicated as possible. And since we have so few patrons, Keith, the, the few, the proud, the mighty, we're mm. just going to kind of beam it on an internal server that I'll host here on my computer, and I'm sure it won't blow up or melt, and it's, no. it's going to be great. But uh, regardless, as we grow and scale, we'll come up with other fun activities and, and, and do things different ways. But we're excited. We're so thankful to, to have a couple moments with our patrons. And Keith, most importantly, I'm excited to watch Star Trek V because in setting up, yeah. I've had to watch the first six minutes like ten times. Uh-huh. And already in the first six minutes, I have you many are... thoughts. <laughs> so many thoughts. Yet, why does God need a starship? It's going to be amazing. Yeah. I'm, the costuming, I'm the fact it. that it opens with Shatner free soloing El Capitan is really... Yeah, no biggie. Yeah. It's really awesome. I mean, I mean, who would write that for him? Oh, himself. Oh, did he write the script? <laughs> oh, oh, baby. I'm so glad. I can't wait for a Trivial Trivia on this band. He wrote and directed it. Oh, yes. Give me okay. all of that. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Well, before you and I can do that, and it already happened for you people watching, 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 yes. We have to talk about last week's viewer ratings of, of Profit Motive. That's IE. From you, if you would like to leave your rating for Visionary, you can drop it in the YouTube comments down below. Uh, Leave a super tip if you want us to read your comment, like Sans Deity always does. We're very excited to have it. So, our viewer ratings last week were... uh, You know what? I think I should remind what we did Mm. uh, as part of the segment. So, last week, I gave it a 62 and you gave it a 60, of course, out of 100 self-sealing stem bolts. Didn't love it. Didn't love it. Didn't love it. But you know who did? Joshua Cronin gave it an 89, loving those Ferengi episodes. Jason Moe came in way down with a 49. YouTube viewer with a 40. Way the heck YouTube down there. YouTube is, viewer is strong in opinion. I love it. Yes. I love it. Uh, Delusions at Noon at a 76, not too bad. JD gives it a 67. Worf's Bootshivs also gives it a 67. And Sans Deity coming in with the super tip and the comment as follows. Unlike a lot of Niners, I like Ferengi characters. Mike, Niners has a specific uh, 
reason why we call ourselves fan, you know, Niners are fans of Deep Space Nine. You don't know it yet, but it's going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. I like the Ferengi characters and storylines, and Quark is pretty much tied for third favorite character for me after Garrick and O'Brien. Mm -hmm. This episode is fun, which is all I can really ask from an episode like this. Nothing truly groundbreaking happens, but it's just entertaining. Wallace Shawn is amazing as Zek, and it's inconceivable to think of anyone else playing the part as well. The B storyline seems really disconnected from the A story, and I didn't feel any similar themes to it at all, but I did like the veiled commentary on the Emmys. And again, the fact that no one on Deep Space Nine ever got an acting nomination is a crime. At least Bashir was a finalist. To be fair, Avery Brooks would have been competing with Dennis Franz a lot, but Nana Visitor should have won over the lady from Picket Fences. Come on, people. Uh, I, I don't disagree, and I've spent eight seasons talking about david e kelly properties overall it's just an episode of deep space nine without too much to really resonate with me outside of it's at least fun and got some laughs out of me i didn't really come away from it with any additional insight into humanity or morality or any of the other themes that deep space nine usually tackles well this is another episode i kind of skip on most rewatches and unlike some other episodes on my keith and mike rewatch i didn't find some new appreciation for it and there was also, not much out of the way in salt for future stories. Very forgettable. But next episode will make up for it one of my faves of season three. So it's 54 self-sealing, and you better believe the self-sealing stem bolts from me. Yeah, agreed and all that. And That's I great. gotta yeah. say, I gotta say, Sans, I, I really appreciate uh, how, how well you write your comments because, uh, spoiler alert, I don't read them ahead of time. So, yeah. uh, what you're getting is a cold read, and I thank I, I'm so grateful for the way you format that, uh, so I don't sound like an idiot. All right, so uh, yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, yeah, all oh, right. Oh, we so, have CEO Jen, of course. Oh yes, all right. Let's hear from CEO Jen. CEO Jen's ranking. Well, she didn't actually write it out, but she did talk to me about it last night. Uh, she watched okay. it uh, while half asleep and said, I didn't know what was going on. Have I met the Grand Nagus before? And I said, well, you should have, but we're not sure if she's watched those she other episodes. She might not have seen. Yeah, yeah. She said, quote unquote, I don't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then she said, but I loved it. So, <laughs> so we're going to keep it the rankings low because mm -hmm. I think the consensus is we didn't love it, but it's CEO Jen. So I'm going to, for CEO Jen, I'm going to give it a 90. And <laughs> I feel like that's fair, right? That's a low CEO gen. That, that's a low CEO yeah. gen, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, other than Chancellor Jen, the average was a 63, which after you got two weeks in a row, it's me! Okay. I got uh, 60. Although I, I sense my comeuppance coming, or I sense my, my retribution coming on uh, oh Friday. Oh my god. I, am, I have been absolutely spanked by the viewers Thanks over my Hashtag ratings. Hashtag Mike was right. Thank you, everyone. On uh, Strange New World, if you're missing Strange New Show, uh, go back and watch the last episode where I take the episode to task and then everyone on the internet takes me to task for yeah. taking the episode to task. It's really quite it's something. It's a beautiful thing. I think we should talk about Visionary. What do you say, Mike? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So uh, Deep Space Nine, Season 3, Episode 17, Visionary aired on February 27th, 1995. Mike is really struggling with those graphics. There we are. February, and, uh, February 7th? February 27th, 
1995. The top song continued to be, I can't wait to hear it, Mike, Madonna's The Something's Over, Take a Bow, Take a Bow. I'm Madonna, pointy boobs. Was this pointy boy boobs face still? Yeah, I think. Or is she a serious actress now? Can't remember. <laughs> this is after Evita. I forget. Well, I think we're safe on a copyright strike on that one. I think we will somehow sneak in under it. So uh, the top movie, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, continued to be the Brady Bunch movie. Wow. I, uh, I do remember seeing it maybe twice in the theater. I remember really liking it. Did you it. see it twice in the theaters? Oh my God. Well, no wonder. No wonder. It was literally just Mike propping up this movie, which in 1995, all it took was $8 million to t- win the box office triumph in February. So there you go. Mike, what was on TV? Keith, can't wait to tell you. Be honest. Uh-huh. Uh Coach. A whole new ball game. Mm-hmm. And the ABC Monday night movie was Dances with Wolves, part two of two. They it, that movie is so big so network TV had to split it. it which wow. makes sense. Uh, everything else pretty much uh, as you'd expect it. We had Nanny, Avatar without the group without the uh, blue people. Yep, Murphy Brown's uh, Sybil, Chicago Hope. NBC Monday Night at the Movies was Tom Clancy's Op Center, part two of two. They were following ABC, oh. and they split it up. Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was all new, as was Blossom. Monday Night at the Movies, we just talked about that. Star Trek Voyager was ex post facto. And then we had Platypus Man, New York on $2,000 a day, uh, that show called Pigsty. And uh, Keith, that's about it. Nothing mm-hmm. exciting over in TV world. New York on $2,000 a day. That means you can actually afford to get the large salad at your lunch. So uh, there you are. Yes, ex post facto was the uh, film noir murder mystery. Uh, A better episode than I think is remembered. I I actually watched it a while ago. I was like, you know what? That's pretty satisfying. Uh, All right. So the weekly world news headline this week this one i loved space alien meets with newt gingrich and you got you got bob dole over there side-eyeing newt and the alien secret service photo captures the astonishing encounter that's not bad uh i love it that's hilarious right, i love a newt gingrich joke uh 1995 newt this is there, there we go this was uh heading into the the 96 election where uh, Clinton battled Bob Dole up there. I don't think we knew that Bob Dole was the nominee quite yet. Maybe we did. It was pr- probably pretty close. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun one. I was very invested in that election. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. So the director of this episode was Reza Badi back, who last directed Life Support. This episode has a teleplay by John Shirley. This is... Uh, the only Trek that he wrote, but he also, uh, speaking of things in the 90s that I, I very much enjoyed, also a little bit more on the sly, he wrote an episode of The Red Shoe Diaries. David Duchovny. David Duchovny. Oh, my goodness. Red Shoe Diaries. When I when I stayed over at a friend's house who had Showtime, that was like a, 
One Set of, the alarm. Get up at 1230 midnight. Everybody watch Red Shoe Diaries. One of my favorite things about Red Shoe Diaries, which was Showtime property, right? Which think, now yeah, just yeah. combined with another streaming service. They're all... Uh, uh, Paramount. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's uh, part of the it's good, say goodbye to all of my Star Trek Prodigy figures because, Keith, that show doesn't exist. Ugh. It never happened. It never happened. They removed season never. one. Yeah. So it's... Who it doesn't exist on does the internet right exist. now. So uh, it's sad that I never watched it because now I can't. Well, you can't, but you know you have to. Mm-hmm. Keith, we, we we follow all of the laws and governing. Oh, bodies. sure we do. Yes, yes, definitely. So it's over for me. Anyway, funny part of that is because there wasn't, we still like didn't really record. Things. There was no DVR, you know, mm-hmm. and you could only pip and pop with Showtime because you only got like the free trial every once in a while for like three days right so that's when you could right and they usually the... didn't show the dirty stuff when the free trial was so on. i always remember thinking to myself when i would happen upon a red shoe diary wow i don't understand the plot of this show like what is happening i thought i was just out of context so i didn't understand but truth it was an anthology i didn't know it was that. an anthology but it gets right. sense. he would just read hot letters and then yeah. think about uh, them and then we'd see boobs that way it was great Really, the best really thing. when you distill it down, like like your iced coffee here that you, I made my own cold brew. At the end of the day, it's just you're just hoping it melts down to boobs. I mean, I, I'm sorry. Did anybody watch the Red Shoe Diaries thinking it was about something else? I don't know, but that's the podcast that we've been missing all this time. <laughs> the Red Shoe Diary the most uncomfortable review show you've ever had yeah david the company was good i don't want to talk about the rest of it with you Keith, uh, uh, furthering properties of podcasts we don't want your mom to listen to <laughs> uh luckily i mean your mom would watch it with you i have great. no idea what was happening no well that's uh, shocker all right so this has a story by ethan h cock and uh who came up with a story for this and children of time um, he, uh, I, we have, we have some trivial trivia about him, but, uh, interestingly, there's the only two Star Trek things he did, except for, subsequent to this, some Star Trek fan movies. Hmm. You know that they did, um, the, you know, there's a ton of Star Trek fan films out there, and Star Trek is very interesting about how they handle it. They actually allow you to use their IP as long as you're not making money on it. Huh. Um, and so I, I think they got a little bit more stringent because some of these became like big giant productions. Um, but uh, so some of these Star Trek fan movies included a lot of the original cast members. Really? And yeah. And and Ethan Cock wrote uh, wrote two of the Star Trek fan movies that had like like legitimate cast members from the original series, from Voyager, from from all sorts of properties like that. So it's really sort of fascinating to see that those things exist. And they got, like, Chekhov to be on it. It's crazy. Um, so uh, so there you go. I think it's time for some Trivial Triva. Now Keith, waste your time. With what? With Trivial Trivia. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Okay. So, uh, as I mentioned before, Ethan Cock, who came up with the story of this, was a Texas school teacher who sold this story in his first pitch, pitch session. Uh, and the bad guys were originally going to be Nausicans and not Romulans and Klingons, but they decided to make it more familiar bad guys. Uh, yes, ho- hold on a second. I have something cool to show you. I'm going to turn off my camera for a second. Be right back. Okay, well, this was unplanned and unexpected, so I'm going to just vamp here. 
uh, with, uh, I don't know with what, but Kifu is just back up. It's probably a toy, would be my guess. It's generally All our right, vibe. Hold on. Yeah. Okay, he's back. Uh, oops. It's his OBS picture. Uh, this week brought to you by, uh, this week and every week brought to you by great. OBS, Open great. Broadcasting it's all working Service great. Software. All right, I'm back. Hey, what's up, buddy? It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. All right, so here it is. The tool that Bashir uses to adjust O'Brien's armband mm-hmm. uh, late in the episode is the warp nacelle of a Romulan warbird painted gray, i.e. this one. Oh. Right there, this part right here, that is their tool from the Playmates toy, which this is. They've yanked it off, painted it gray, and then became a tool. Well, that's rad. I know, right? Which is ironic because there's a Romulan Warbird in the episode. That's true. It, although so, it's cloaked for the majority of the episode. Oh, my batteries are dead. Oh, well. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I thought that was really, That's really cool, cool. That was t- totally yeah. worth that run around the block. See, I told you. So the station explosion uh, was actually filmed in full, practically. So they were starting to do some digital stuff now, but they actually, they blew up two giant models of the ship that they used from, they used a, a mold from the original thing with 10 stage practical explosions throughout the Sheesh. ship. So boom, 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 all, all the way like a demolition. And they barely used it. So they had much more elaborate oh, really? explosions. I thought the shot was pretty saw. cool, yeah. Oh, it was very cool. But I think they had multiple angles. I think they had a whole bunch of different things they did as they blew up the, sh- uh, blew up the station. Uh, it's the first time we've seen it blown up. Yes. Uh, Generally, you don't which, blow up you know, where you live. I mean, look, the, the number of times the Enterprise D blew up on the uh, on the show. Uh, but very cool. Cool that they did it practically. Um, which, of course, they set small charges and then they film it at like 300 frames a second so they can do it in slow motion and get all of that. And usually, in order to have the, the sparks, right, not drop down to the floor, they put the station on its end and put the camera on the floor looking up so that the sparks fly straight down. And that's why you don't have gravity affecting it. So, uh, speaking of visual effects, uh, VFX supervisor Gary Hutzel mentioned that the Deep Space Nine producers wanted the visual effects on Deep Space Nine to be closer to feature-level effects rather than what we saw on Next Gen. So, as a result, they had a much larger budget for effects than Next Gen did. And you want to know what helps you? With your budget for visual effects and other things, that is our patrons, who uh, later today will be watching Star Trek V with us, at least the ones who don't live on the other side of the planet. We forgot about time zones. Mm-hmm. We're so sorry. Uh, it was well, a last minute kind of thing. We, we we're we're going to make it up to yeah. you and do and do a, uh, a across the pond or Australia yeah. uh, good time zone. We're, we're going to do, we're gonna it, do we're, another one. We're going to record it and post it too, So, which will actually yeah, yeah. probably end up being a better, higher quality than what you're going to see on stream. Long story short, it doesn't matter. Uh, we'd like to thank Bryant, Kimball Beersock, Wyatt Eldridge, Casey Clark, Jason Moe, Bren Joshua, Andrew Hayes, Jorge Naveau, who is still a patron of our David E. Kelly podcast, Out of Practice podcast. I so, emailed him yesterday yeah. saying like, are you sure you still want to be doing that? Yeah. Uh, happy, <laughs> jump over to the Patreon if you'd like. Jorge Navoa. 
uh, and the mysterious Worf's big old boot shaves. Charles Babbage, Richard Coleman, CRM Productions, Nikolay Ivanovich Lobachevsky, who uh, is still under a Putin Russia, turns out. Delusions I've... at Noon, J.D. Makes, Colin Dagan, Chris Mitchell slash CRM, Pat, and Joshua Cronin. We'd like to thank all of you for being a part. Yeah, join them at join the yep. team, patreon.com slash K and Dan. I tell you, you know, Putin versus Wagner, uh, it's a little bit like watching a Cowboys-Eagles game. I'm not hoping for a winner. I'm hoping for an asteroid. Yeah, although, it, are they both alive? Is, is the one guy alive even? We don't know. Who knows? I think so. I, that's so weird. Well, I, I believe that is only Act 1. So we're watching this in real time. And if you're watching this in five years, we're, we're in June 2023 right now. So hopefully nothing horrible has happened between uh, Much now like and then. Much like things politically, we got to remember the hammer moves slow. I, I told you that morning, Keith. I didn't buy, I don't care how close they are. If they're not there, they're not a different podcast. Uh, well, when they get there, it's going to happen real fast. Yeah, and it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So... All right, so our guest stars on Visionary include Jack Shearer as Rowan, Annette Held as Karina, and it co-stars Ray Young as Morka, Bob Miner as Borak, and Dennis Madalone as Atoll. Those are the Klingons and the Romulans, I believe. What do you say we head into our screening room? Okay, I think our our, our singing finally killed (laughs) some people. All right, so in our teaser, we wake up. Wait, our singing killed people? What does that mean? I, well, you know, people stopped complaining about our singing, not oh. because it got better, but I think because they finally gave up the ghost. Well, yeah. understandably. Yeah. Uh, we broke their will. <laughs> <laughs> we water, but we, we, we waterboarded them with our voice, Keith. Ah, uh, wow. Yep, there it is. So, uh, <laughs> nope, 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 nope. Just swallowed like six different jokes. All right, so in our teaser, O'Brien is on the floor. He's mm-hmm. been zapped by a plasma conduit on Ops, and everyone is standing over him, but he'll be fine. Mike, have you ever, like, passed out and woken up with everybody staring at you? Keith, are you, above? are you pitching to me the joke because you know the answer to this question? No, I'm sure you've told me. I don't remember. Uh, I'm going to give you the very brief version of an incredible story. Uh, I had been on, a, I had been on a, a gig in China, and I flew, like, a 14-hour flight back. And I was very dehydrated, and it was like a long day, and I was I was all jet lagged and all kinds of stuff, and I was with Jen on the couch, and I quickly, uh, I quickly jumped up to go use the restroom. This was in our old apartment in Queens, and I'm standing there, and you know, as you often do, Keith, when you're urinating, you are holding your your uh, tricorder and aiming at mm-hmm. uh, the toilet. And, you get the plasma beam in the right place. And this just warm rush of feeling overtook me, and I thought to myself, tuck your chin, tuck your chin. That's all I thought, because I knew wow. I was about to pass out. I think I knew. At least my ins- my my instincts told me, tuck your chin. Because That's all your wrestling training. Because you're, you know, our bathroom in New York, it was very small, and you don't want to hit your head going down, because that could be the end of you. So that's the feeling i had the next thing i knew i was being slapped in the face and jen was shouting 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 uh calling 911 apparently keith i had been unresponsive for like three minutes 
Oh, like geez. she could not, she could not get me to wake up, and she thought that it was over. <laughs> she thought it was over, so she's calling oh, it. It's, it's it's an absolute. I can only imagine a horror show in her mind, and just you know, so stressful. And it's not to make light of, but in my I'm when your, I your your tricorder was when, to the breeze at this point. When I came to, <laughs> when I came to. You know, you're very confused when you come back into consciousness. Right, sure. And I'm not understanding why Jen is so animated. She's, f- like, upset, just... Yeah. yeah, upset, and I couldn't figure it out. But more importantly, what I couldn't figure out is why my dick was out. And so I uh-huh. looked her in the face, and I just said, why is my dick out? <laughs> and that was my response, because, Keith, I guess my fear was that I had been in the bathroom doing other things... And was caught. <laughs> I think I had like an eight-year-old like panic attack fear that mom caught me uh, exploring the universe, D- downloading some data on your <laughs> yeah. tricorder, going boldly going and uh, <laughs> being discovered. I don't know Where at no all. No one had gone before. This uh, this all had happened in like a very quick period of time. So uh, to, to answer your wow. question, uh, yes, I have had this experience. Wow, I was not expecting that, but I'm delighted we got there. <laughs> so in my second sentence in our recap. <laughs> oh, out of the, uh, let me see how many, out of the 2,000 word essay I've written on this episode, <laughs> it continues, uh, everyone is standing over him, but he'll be fine. Kira says there is a Romulan delegation that has just arrived on the station. They put O'Brien on light duty and head to meet the Romulans. But on their way, they run into Odo and a couple of security guards hauling a drunk Klingon to the drunk tank. Apparently, a whole ship of Klingons has showed up for repairs. And by whole ship, I mean three. Naturally, Cisco warns Odo about that because, Mike, I don't know if you know this already, but Romulans and Klingons don't like each this, other very this much. This one I do know. I do know. They both... They both. It's, ironically, they both uh, spend a lot of money on their haircuts, and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they... And they all wear the same outfit. Yeah, but they don't like each other. That tends to happen. No. No, in, indeed. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, in the airlock, the Romulans arrive wearing their traditional couch covers. They're here for the Federation's intelligence on the Dominion, a condition of the cloaking device loan. Uh, do you remember that? Yes. That was like okay. when we had that. We even had an attache, but she we couldn't That's afford right. it. Hey, Keith. No. Could you remind she me? She attached over to Voyager. Or as RuPaul would say, attache away. Uh, could you <laughs> actually trademark that because that's pretty good. Um, <laughs> could you tell me this, this in the foreground, that guest actor's name because I recognize him from everything but can't picture his non-Romulan face. I think that's Jack Shearer. Spell that for me. Let me look it up. Shearer. Like as- Oh, okay. Yeah, there he is. He's also been on Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, he is no- known for Star Trek First Contact. He was in The Usual Suspects. He's in The Negotiator, Heartbreakers. Yeah, he's done like a bazillion things. Boston Legal. He's one of those people who like you Ellie McBeal. immediately. He's yeah, a, a lot of David Kelly, Kelly stuff. Yeah, favorite. X-Files, West Wing, Voyager, End of Days, Just Shoot Me, The Negotiator, NYPD Blue. Okay, everything. Yeah. Literally everything. A lot. A, all of the uh, 90s and early 2000s stuff. 
Y'all, everybody wants to be famous, right? Everybody wants to be a big star. No, you don't. You, you want to be this guy. You want those guest star things. Because let me tell you, my wife, Eric can speak to this. My wife has been on one network television show as a guest mm-hmm. star one time, and they cut her scene, okay? Uh, and the checks come. So mm-hmm. imagine if you just did years worth of those things. They just checks keep coming. It's just checks all the time. Oh my god! Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, they get smaller, but but actually, because because Jillian was on was on SVU too, like still get not insignificant checks, and this is like five years ago. Yeah, what I didn't know is there's a difference a difference residual weight residual rate if you kind of like air on UPN or, or I guess that's not a thing anymore. You know, on the TBS or whatever. Yeah, on syndication, yeah, yeah, the- or if it's summertime like now, and they rerun you in primetime, it's a big check. Totally different thing. Yeah. yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, it's great. Anyway, uh, we're never going to get through this. Mike, we still have like six okay, hours. Okay, we're going. We're going. We're going. Recording. We're going. So, uh, yeah, yeah, where am I? Okay, so in Quarks, O'Brien has convinced him to set up a dartboard in the bar. The dartboard reappears. Quark doesn't know why it's interesting being so low, low tech. So O'Brien's like, hey, try it. He throws all the darts all at one, of course, hilariously. And uh, he hits Morn. Funny. Bit. He was clearly just wearing like a, a, a puff jacket. He always does. That's that's Morn's coat. It's why is it so like body sculpted? Because Morn's jacked. Oh okay. Uh, Dude, him I, drinking the Merlot later is my one of my favorite Morn beats. Period. I mean, Morn is always. Speaking of being paid as an as a stand Ooh, or as a uh, background actor, was not. Oh. He was never never given an actual. Racting role because he was always a featured extra. I'm sure they took care of him on the side. I I would certainly hope so because he did almost every episode. Uh, then O'Brien tries to demonstrate. No, dumb dumb. This is how you do it. There's a flash and he's instantly on the second floor of the promenade, watching himself have a conversation with Quark about the Klingons damaging the Hollow Suites. He makes eye contact with himself, then winks out of the air and returns to the dart game. And immediately passes out like Mike Tricorder to the wind. Uh, so, what did you think here when he had the uh, when he saw himself? Uh, well, me and Jen were like visionary, and that was it. Oh, oh, you watched it with Jen? Yeah, we did. We did. Watch. Jen, CEO Jen is back. I mean, another benefit to being a patron: Patreon.com/slash KNM. You get to watch the show not just with my dick out self. You get my wife, her dick out. I don't know. Our Patreon subscribers either went up or down to zero. <laughs> I'm not sure which one, but definitely it does not the same. I guarantee that. Oh, man. That was funny. It wasn't. Go ahead. So in Act 1, Bashir thinks he fainted because of the radiation from the plasma blast or something on, on Ops. But he dismisses O'Brien's vision. Never dismiss the thing in Act 1 on, uh. on uh, Star Trek. It's always something. So they go to the meeting with the Romulans, and they ask for more information on the Dominion. But Cisco doesn't really know much of what they're asking. They ask about Odo and why he doesn't know everything, because they don't believe he's not a part of the Founders and the Dominion. Um, and so Odo now is pretty famous, mm-hmm. because you know certainly within the intelligence communities. Yeah, because um, he's an accessible. It's like you, you know. Oh hey, there's a there's a 
it's like, yeah, you're right. It's a back channel, potential back channel to like the Third Reich, or like the biggest baddies you can think about. And but what if you, what if one was just like a def, uh, a defector potentially, and you could talk to them that you would right, want, you would and, want some and nobody trusts. Like, are you a defector? Are you pretending to be a defector? What's your deal? We don't trust you. Um, yeah, I mean, again, like reinforcing. This is not an Odo episode, but we reinforce like the the lonely position that he's in because mm-hmm. he's the only one, and everybody thinks he's a bad guy. It's other than it's, like his that friend. is kind of like a, a a bone we can pick later. It's not a, it it's not an Odo episode, but it almost should be because that's uh, to me this is one of the more interesting actual bits about the whole thing. Oh yeah, well we're we're gonna get there. Yeah, like the the, the like what's the deal with Odo is uh, mm-hmm. we have we have uh, five more seasons mm-hmm. <laughs> to get through. So uh, anyway, the Romulans are not happy with the Federation not holding up their side of the bargain. They want more info, including the classified reports. They forgot to look next to their toilet. Did we ever get the <laughs> good one? Nailed it. Did we ever get the, sh- the 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 full picture of what the quid quid pro quo was? We get the cloaking device, and they get all of the information we have on the Dominion. Okay. So, like, literally every piece of information we get about the Dominion goes to the Romulans. Okay. In exchange for the cloaking device, yeah. So uh, then O'Brien is accosted by Quark, complaining about the Klingons. It's the same conversation he had before. He looks over and sees himself on the other side of the promenade. So we have completed the time loop. So he goes uh, to Dax, and Dax says, you know, we did find some temporal disturbances. O'Brien briefly traveled to the future. As Dax technobabbles an explanation, O'Brien shifts again, directly into a Wild West brawl in Quarks between the Klingons, Romulans, and the Federation. He stops a Klingon from stabbing someone, possibly his future self, then winks back into our timeline and passes out again. Uh, I thought this was so fun. Yeah. To like hop into like the middle of a brawl. Uh, I'm looking at the like, screenshots too because later we know that he helped himself in this fight, right? So I was like kind of trying right here, trying to think about how if they they must have went back and plotted all of that when they. Shot oh yeah, these. Well, we see him helping himself in later. The, no, no, we see it here too. I think. Here, okay, I wasn't sure if we did. Yeah, yeah. The, oh yeah, the yeah. Duck, we do. Mm-hmm. The duck part. We 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 see that both times. Yeah. Um, obviously, they filmed it at the same time, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I, you know, I, 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 spoiler alert for where we're getting. I'm a sucker for time travel paradoxes. And, yeah, me too. And I really like them. I was thinking, um, you know, what movie. I was thinking of two movies. I don't want to spoil the second one because it's kind of my big takeaway for the episode. But also, Looper came to came to mind mm, a bunch, where sure. Bruce Willis is dealing with young Bruce Willis, and they're you know they're, it's cool. Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially um, when they work. You know what I mean. Well, when when the logic holds up, and and they have to really do the math to make it all hold up, even if the time travel is a techno babble, the yeah. consequences of each of the shifts has to has to play through, which I think it does. So in Act Two, Bashir has discovered some damage. That it's like the a quantum leap, but he jumped into himself. Jumped into himself, and only five hours later, yeah, and not into the past. Um, but it's causing damage in O'Brien. He's fine for now, but if he keeps shifting, it could be fatal. He can't tell how long he's shifting, but they assume it's within a couple of days. 
Kira then grabs Cisco and says the Romulans are still pissed. They want to access the Defiant and the personal logs. He says, no personal logs, but I will show them limited pieces of the Defiant. Yeah, because, I mean, they're in a tough position here diplomatically, and you do have to give up some. Redacted. Redacted, but they do interview all of the senior staff, um, which they definitely could have done more with this, but I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the first interview with Kira, defending, abandoning the Defiant. She is not keeping her cool. I, I, So, yeah, we've, we know that Kira is a hothead at times, right? Right. But for what she is, basically, in the, like, as far as the intelligence community is concerned and, like, an ex-spy and what her position is and stuff, you would think she'd have a better poker face. Well, she doesn't need to have a poker face because she's not lying. Like, she's she's not denying it. I mean, she's... I, I, I know, but, like, you, you have to... I'm, I'm just speculating, but... You, they're Romulans, and they're asking a lot of questions. So you got to assume that potentially they're up to something, and maybe like the full frontal assault isn't potentially the best way to uncover what's going on. You might want to buy some time. It's probably. It's, I'm just saying, it's the the full anger approach is not always the most strategically sound maneuver in a in a in a five D chess game. Well, but she's Bajoran cop. Well, okay. Cisco is good cop. She's Bajoran cop. Okay. Um. But also, but also, she's not trying to get anything from the Romulans. The Bajorans don't have a deal with the Romulans. From from her perspective, as a Bajoran without a deal, they're just being dicks. They're asking a lot of personal questions, and she takes a little bit of offense to the maybe Odo has a crush on you. Do you have a crush on? Well, Odo? that's right. That because they just want to know about Odo and what happened, and they want to know more about her and Odo's relationship. Last up board, I'm going to say, not Keith. I'm just saying, I don't know, but I'm saying to you, who does know? Plant my flag here. I feel like potentially Kira's hot head could be a liability moving forward. I it's 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 possible. It's possible. She she is rash. You know, those Bajorans, they're they're fiery. Um and uh, especially when they're asking, hey, are you an Odo boning? And uh that is it for Kira. But she keeps the poker face there. Have you ever been good in the nude? <laughs> Oh no, Mike, Mike. Look down. Founders goo detected. <laughs> damn right it is. Damn right it is. <laughs> it's always going to be goo. Then not All detected, right. and then detected again, and then not detected, and then detected again. And that's again. about it. <laughs> yeah, that's about all it is. <laughs> oh, that's bad. Yeah, so, that's in, bad. in Quarks, Bashir and O'Brien have been playing darts for ages. O'Brien's waiting around for the fight to begin, despite them not having... They've made a bunch of precautions. And, of course, they talk about the temporal paradox. Did his warning of the uh, the fight happening make it not happen? But then, some Klingons come in and, of course, start some shit with the Romulans. And, uh-oh, here we go. But before we do that, we go to Odo's, and Kira tells him that the Romulans were insinuating that Odo was into Kira. But before poor Odo has to cover, Quark calls asking for help, and the brawl is on. I mean, poor, poor Odo. Man, you really think about the position. He's, he's, he's friend-zoned by the lady who he's in love with. Now the freaking Romulans are asking about the girl. Do you have a crush on that girl? No. 
and then he's got to deal with Austin. All right. So uh, the brawl is on. We see O'Brien's fight the Klingon from future O'Brien's point of view. Again, another thing I love about time travel, you see the same thing from different points of view. I find that always fascinating. Uh, but then the this O'Brien is thrown forward again and witnesses himself get killed by some sort of phaser in a wall panel. So things are escalating. Uh, we go from a fight to now O'Brien's dead. That's not good. So he, three, is this considered? I was trying to explain to Jen. Would since he gets like sh- killed twice in this episode, three times? You consider he probably gets blown up in that one. So he gets killed a bunch. Is this a torture O'Brien episode officially? O'Brien must suffer episode. Well, I mean, looking at the end, uh, O'Brien must literally die. Right, and not only that, which is like we'll, we will talk about that because I have yeah, yeah, yeah. it. It spins my brain on its stem a little bit. But it's not just O'Brien must die. It's like O'Brien must know that there's a version of him that's dead and it ain't him. Like his 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 he's an imposter. His unease, his unease feeling that he admits to later of like I don't feel like I belong here. Well, we could talk about that. But that is suffering, man. Yeah, yeah. Is, is I mean, that my mo- is that my Molly? Is that my Keiko? Right. It's not really. It might be the yeah, ultimate I mean, O'Brien must suffer episode. Uh, we're we're not there yet, but we'll get there. <laughs> what? Worse than dead? You have no idea oh how much a bride must suffer oh, moving I, forward. I kind of love it, actually. <laughs> like, holy shit! Is there an episode coming that is talk about spinning your brain? Oh, okay, like, great. Suffering great, great. of O'Brien. All right, tell me no more. Say no more. Oh my! Oh my God! It's <laughs> so. Uh, Dude, you know what I'm realizing as like my life has become so much a big part of it? I can't believe that I've never been into Star Trek before. It's such right? me stuff. It is. I don't I don't quite get it. And, and to be honest, I have so much Star Trek, Star Wars fatigue these days mm-hmm. that it's like such a beautiful time in my life to have to stumbled upon it. Well, and I'll tell you why. And this and like I like Star Wars. I enjoy Star Wars. Star Wars is great. No shade on Star Wars or Star Wars fans. But I think that Star Wars gets thinner mm. as time goes by because the stories are so thin. Right? Like, yeah, you've got world building or whatever, but like the stories and characters, basically good guys, bad guys, it's 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 sort of a flat story. Right. There's not a lot of character development. There's not a lot of depth in the storytelling. It's visually fantastic. Mm-hmm. I get some of the allegories of good guy, bad guy, resistance, whatever, but it's it doesn't really go anywhere near the depth that Star Trek does, which allows things to grow and, and it's it's deeper thinking, it's deeper character work. There's more character progression in what's happening. It's not just like setting up the next set piece battle. So Star Trek gets better the more well, you watch I think it, the, and the, Star Wars gets a little bit more boring the more you watch it. I think the more effective Star Wars stories are the ones that allow themselves the time to build those things. Like, a right. lot of the animated work, CGI animated stories, Which I have not Wars seen, so I'm not those, basing are actually it on the kind of best things because they have the time to breathe, and, and a lot of the novels yeah. will great. Like you said, the extended universe stuff is... Your point is taken, and, and let's move forward. Yeah. All right. So uh, Odo, Sisko, and O'Brien go to the panel and investigate... Odo opens the panel, and nothing happens. Whatever the zapper is, it's not there yet. They figure out... This is a funny shot, though, I have to say, because 
I think they just had to make it. They they didn't get what they wanted in the cut, and they just had to use this because, <clears throat> is you know, this is basically a, a baby diaper changing station from a rest stop. Uh huh. And when he pulls the panel down, that little clip at the top, in the shot, if you go back and watch it, falls down. Like it, the gravity of it is just like, bloop, like, and I, I don't. You could think, tell that it's you, plastic. Yeah, you could tell that like they they couldn't get it to stay up in the shot order, so they were just like, nah, keep it in the cut. But I saw it right away. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. This yeah. is not the best practical effect they've had on the show. Well, but again, we're watching upscaled versions of it. It You're wasn't right. designed right. to be quite such. It, and imagine once that when they when they finally get around to go back and rescanning it, it'll be very obvious mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, but yes, it is one hundred percent a diaper changing station. Um, so, uh, and look, the gel is clearly not flush. The right, gel's like bent slightly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but again, that also could be an artifact from the AI. But I think you're, I think you're right. I think yeah. it is just not, not clean. But it's a cool you know shot, what? though. I mean, still, we talked about the rule of thirds on the other show. They were able to actually get enough of a depth to get a cool yeah. shot here of them all hiding, and it makes sense they would be hiding like that. Although, isn't it funny that Odo, who clearly can't be zapped because he's goo, is also hiding to the side but he can't like well the the rules of like what can hurt odo and what can't hurt odo is are pretty murky we've seen him like knocked out before that's true so it's like Like, when he's in in human form he can get hurt like humans maybe it's a little bit unclear okay uh it, it depends on what the story needs mike So uh, they figure out from this, however, that O'Brien is moving about five hours into the future. So somebody is going to put the device in there in the next few hours. Odo naturally places a surveillance device, which would already be there in our world. Dax has a clue, however. She's discovered some Tetrion emissions, which could be caused by a quantum singularity, which reacts to the radiation goo that O'Brien got hit with earlier. And that is why he's being dragged mm-hmm. through time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, if... Uh, well, yeah, so here's the thing. the We know from Next Gen that... And, I mean, spoiler alert, folks, uh, that the Romulan ships, such as this one, mm-hmm. are powered by a quantum singularity, a tiny little black hole inside. And uh, that, and we've, when we know that that can leak uh, Tetrion emissions, because uh, we've seen it in season six of Next Gen, um, and so the radiation that hit O'Brien makes him susceptible to this. Yeah. So we get a lot of smart people here, right? A lot of smart minds that can mm-hmm. can can rock all this. None of these people put it together that we got Romulans running an Inquisition upstairs and that Romulan ships run on this singularity goo and they might be related. We don't really even talk about that being a possibility until we figure it out. Uh, Yes, I agree with you that uh, even I, I mean, God, I don't remember what I thought the first time I saw this, but like uh, would have been, huh, quantum singularity, Romulans. Might have put that together. Okay. So, I mean, because, like, think about it this way. Like, if it were nuclear radiation leaking in the ocean, and we know that the Russian subs are run with the nuclear reactors, like, yeah. Intend to leak, yeah. 
And then the league, I'm gonna have like, eh, keep an eye on that. Official wormhole. Official wormhole. Yes, for sure. Um, however, I do think that the Romulans showed up in a ship, right? And mm-hmm. so they think, oh, okay, so the Romulans, their ship is right there. We tested it. It's not coming from that ship. Yeah. Um, still, it's a soft wormhole for me. Hey, Keith, you know what they say after 40? Uh, all of the all of the warbirds are soft. Ah, indeed, indeed. Wormhole. Wow, good. Wormholes? All the wormholes. Yeah. All the warbirds, the wormholes. Yeah. It's, e- almost, it's almost like three minutes passed before I made that joke. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and uh, you might have had your tricorder out for a second. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, oh, boy. anyway, they figured out what's, uh, what's happening with uh, O'Brien, and he's being dragged through time by this quantum singularity and Bashir thinks he can fix it by removing the radiation he got hit with to begin with but at night might take a while so he's going to experience more time shifts then Kira comes in and says "Uh, you know I had to move the Romulans to another section of the station uh, because of the Klingon stuff and it turns out to be exactly where O'Brien is going to get zapped in the future uh uh oh so Cisco says, let's see how it plays out before we make any further moves. Odo then says that somebody just beamed a surveillance device into the panel that zapped O'Brien. And he thinks it originated somewhere in the station. He assumes it was the Klingon. But he the Klingons, but he lists other suspects, including Quark, because I always investigate Quark. Later, O'Brien. I got a whole Bashir, hard drive on my computer of quark investigation uh, apparently i mean i think you know like this whole like odo like oh i've got the hots for kira i think it's a faint i think it's a hey you know what we know his heart really is multiple hots uh, for sure for sure um you didn't david duchovny didn't just have one interest in on red, red shoe, shoe diaries. diaries it was every week he had a new <laughs> hot <laughs> that's true they call that a callback keith yeah well well played well played uh, so uh, later, O'Brien and Bashir wait out his death, drinking in quarks. Keith, I do want to mention. Sorry, everyone. Mm-hmm. We're never it dawns on me somehow. I forget everything about everything, but it dawns mm-hmm. on me we had an extended full conversation about Red Shoe Diaries once before on Out of Practice Podcast. Did we really? Yeah, I remember it clearly. <laughs> Much like Red Shoe Diaries, I remember it clearly. Wow, wow. Uh, well, look, we have done a lot. We've done many, many hours of uh, this nonsense. I think we're bordering on our fourth year together. Are we really? Yeah. That's so many hours. Yeah, I know. I so cycled m- back to the beginning of our YouTubes, and that was three-plus years ago. But I know we go. the podcast started well before that. So Right, right, yeah. Well, uh, somewhere – is it here? Do I have it here? I don't have it here. Uh, but somewhere we have the number of hours we did out of practice. It was like 300, 400 hours. Yeah, we've, we're, we've got a lot. We're a mess. All right. So while they're waiting it out, O'Brien is pulled into the future again. He arrives in sickbay to discover his dead corpse. He has died again. Bashir explains in Act 4 that uh, he was killed by some sort of arterial problem. And uh, if he can tell his past self to scan for it, he should be able to fix it. And uh, O'Brien heads back and passes out again. The the direction of this scene is so interesting because... Yes, it is. One, 
in real life, folks, if you ever beam any, if you ever find yourself in a situation with a gurney with a sheet over somebody, do not remove the sheet. Don't go do the sheet. Oh, no, because he has to. I know. Like, he's For been the, sent to the future. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't be curious. You've already seen yourself die once. I think what's interesting, and I, I think it tracks, is Bashir, there's a severe lack of urgency or panic or... Uh, a million percent. Bashir could not be more cash and about this And I guess if thing. you figured, well, he's dead, <laughs> right? In the next five hours, I should probably come upon future him if he can possibly. I in, if if I see future Bashir, if I see future O'Brien or past O'Brien within the next five hours, I can save him. I know what's up. I did this autopsy. I have a shot. If I don't see him, well, then he's dead. I mean, like, what are Wait, you gonna do? He's like so cash. It's yeah. like if I came across like your corpse, they'd be like, "Yeah, man, no worries." Anybody got a sandwich? Oh, yeah, yeah. By but the way, you should the, probably like, tell yourself. Second, third, or fourth time they've, and he knows what's going on with the time looping, so I, he's probably expecting him. He's. I mean, yes, but like he's still pretty chill about the whole thing. He's well, like jokey, well, jokey. This is fun. What's the what, what, okay? It'd be different if in that if in the intervening five hours he did the autopsy and could not figure out what was up. And so when he sees me, he's got to be like, I got nothing. At least he discovered what the MacGuffin is. And he's like, I can save you if you show up. And he's like, oh, there he is. Oh, guess what? Take some penicillin, baby. Right. But also, uh, O'Brien is getting worse. And he passes out every time. You don't know he's going to wake up on the other side of the, when he comes, even when he flashes back. Yeah, well, or remember. It, it isn't. They clearly discussed it. This was something I would have, like, written it on his hand or something. It, it says Give in the him a note. It says in the companion that they discussed all of these scenes uh, really specifically. The only person who didn't want to hear it was Calm. so. Yeah, he's like, I'm so confused. Uh, yeah, don't, just don't, just tell me what know. to do. Don't explain it. Yeah. And, uh. For those keeping track at home, 348 hours of Out of Practice Just that podcast. Just that podcast was 348 hours. Okay, so uh, he heads back and passes out again. And then we get a scene of Matlock Odo showing Cisco where the transporter signal came from. An abandoned set of quarters. But they didn't use a portable transporter. In fact, they used a replicator, which is very similar then they changed it into a small transporter with a very sophisticated little gizmo. Made of connects. Uh, built by folks who live right next to the Klingons. It's a very professional job. And he's found out that the three Klingons on the station are actually high-level spies sent by Galron himself. Uh, cool. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, puts into context, like, the, the drunken Klingon and the brawling. It's all a feint. They were there to spy on who? The Romulans? The Romulans. Okay. Romulans, yeah. So Cisco says, we can at least hold them for questioning, at least until the Romulans are gone. So Brian finally wakes up and tells Bashir about the arterial problem. Good thing he woke up before the five hours. Okay, Otherwise, you're right. I see what you're he'd saying. He'd be dead. Bashir <laughs> continues to be cavalier about O'Brien's multiple deaths. The Klingons end up in Odo's cell. And he says, cooperate, or I'm going to tell your intelligence friends that you got caught. Great. Um, that was a great, a, a great press, I thought. Yeah. I mean, you know, Odo, Odo has a really good understanding of the priorities of all of these folks. Mm -hmm. Like, it is worse for them to be, to be caught incompetent than to be killed or tortured or 
imprisoned, whatever it is. Um, so uh, Cisco goes to check in on O'Brien. Bashir's almost done getting the time travel goo out of him. Meanwhile, Dax has discovered the singularity orbiting the station. It's orbiting, and it releases the temporal energy at regular intervals, which is causing the shifting. Then O'Brien shifts once again and finds himself evacuating the station on a runabout. They fly away, and the station starts exploding. He tells the other O'Brien to figure out what happened. Then the entire station full-on explodes. Boom. Oh, that was very well-timed. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, they shot that, blew up the practical. It always looks better when you blow up something practical. 100%. I'm sorry. Like, that was good. Even today. Even today, I've been watching, like, you know, the Marvel movies or whatever. The CG is still not as good as... Actually, you know what? I was watching... I rewatched the Indiana Jones series, right? And I watched one, two, and three, and then I watched Crystal Skull. And the practical stuff they did still looks better than the Marvel stuff today. You know what else helps explosions? Sub Sub base. Like, if, even mm-hmm. if it's a shitty one, if there's a good, decent sub-base or you got cans on, it helps, I think. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. But, like, there's a reason Mad Max Fury Road looks better than any other contemporary action film. Because they actually did that stuff. Yeah, that's fair. Like, sorry, Marvel, whatever. Like, guys, you got to blow it up for real. Well, it's also Strange New World. You know, it's... it's we mentioned it last week, as beautiful as it all is, and a lot of that is because they're using the practical effect back wall, right? Right. But when we zoom in and we get close-up, high-def looks at a lot of the practical costuming work they did, like the little medical symbols yeah. on, on yeah. Umega's yeah. thing, that, that's always the best stuff. Yeah, always. There it is. I get it's harder, but, you know. Even in this episode, we're about to come up to, it, one of the coolest bits for me is the little time travel, like, 88 yeah. gigawatts little I totally band. want that prop. Yeah, that like thing is someday, cool. Like uh, someday when I'm when I'm crazy wealthy because a show of mine went to Broadway. Mm-hmm. I just want one actual screen use prop. Mm-hmm. That's 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 all I really I I got so close. There was uh they're just looking at the auctions and and there was there was an actual screen used practical piece of the station that they that they used um i won't tell you what or how because it's a spoiler but um it was it was an actual practical little piece of the station that they used and filmed and it was like on auction for like 2800 bucks i do not have 2800 bucks well i was like spoiler alert you had made an offhanded comment and i attempted to find you a screen used just like kindle pad because there's a bunch of them even those are too expensive i was like i like keith man but like 800 bucks is too much no, 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 no. It's crazy. But someday, someday when when uh, when, when I have a show, throw Patreon money around, <laughs> and it doesn't jingle. Yeah, <laughs> it can't hurt you if it hits you. That's right, exactly. <laughs> when you get paper cuts as yeah. opposed to contusions. Yeah. Uh, right. Anyway, uh, patrons are are some people are giving real money, and yeah, I don't understand fair. why. We, we always and we're never being glib. No, we're, we're all, teasing, but we're, never glib. We're always being glib. Anyway, uh, so the station explodes. The wormhole does some flashy things, and O'Brien is back in his timeline and says, "We got a much bigger problem. 
Which takes us to Act 5. O'Brien can't say what happened with the station, because he doesn't know, and Kira asks some really good questions about, like, were they internal or external explosions? Um, he didn't really see anything, and Cisco makes a plan to evacuate, but quietly. Smart. Again, you know, I always talk about, you know, I want my characters to be working at the height of their intelligence. Mm -hmm. Right. And this conversation was a highly intelligent way to handle that. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Kira's diagnostic of what happened. Great. Cisco's thinking through, we can't just evacuate willy-nilly because if there's a terrorist who wants to blow up the station, you don't want to trigger that. You don't want to alert the Romulans or whomever. Very smart. I liked it. Well, and also this is a, it completes the third beat of a a thing this episode does that I find that I love because it avoids a trap of, of these types of episodes. We'll talk about time travel and time travel episodes and stuff, what we like, what we don't like later. But one of the traps this avoids is that often in a time travel episode, especially on a series or a property that is not, does not do them often, is they create the false drama by having the person being seeing the future or time traveling or whatever it may be, and everybody else does not believe them. Right. And so the things keep coming to truth, and it takes like seven times of things come right. happening becomes, before they believe Jaws. them, right? Yeah, Almost, you get the Jaws dynamic. Yeah. yeah. But here, right from the beginning, they're like, yep. They're like, they believe him. Now, I think that's also because they can also see future O'Brien. I think there's that one scene on the promenade where Quark also sees right. him. Quark also sees and him. And so yeah. that lends some credibility. But regardless, so every time he has one of these visions, instead of having to, we spend all this time of O'Brien trying to prove to them that this is really happening. They get it right away, and they can make decisions based on it, and I think the episode is better for that. Well, I mean, you know, look, they're they're kind of used to some crazy stuff. I mean, Rumpelstiltskin showed up. Yeah, like, that's fair. Yeah, they were like, okay, crazy shit happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, a lesser show would that's no, what, that's I, how they I, create I, the drama. I agree with you. I think it's it. Well, it it allows them to tell a much more complex time travel story because mm -hmm. it's not a not a story of believe me. It's a let's let's hop around because it's because and I think for you. Same idea, right? A Normally in 46 minutes, you'd have like three shifts mm -hmm. because that's the level of complexity of the story that you can tell. There's like six or seven in here mm -hmm. and it's constantly changing. And I think that that is... They, yeah, and they progressively are able to understand and then harness it, right? It's right. in the beginning. It's just like, first we're going to figure out how often it's happening, how it's happening, then can we eventually harness it and use it for good? That's that's kind of the progression right. here, and they do it all. And you have escalating stakes, and the and the the stakes keep changing. It's not like we're trying to save the same problem mm -hmm. over and over again. Yeah, they could have been changing. like, you're going to die at the end of the episode, and now we spend the whole episode trying to prevent trying that. Trying to prevent that. It does like six times. Anyway, I really enjoyed it. So uh, O'Brien has the idea of sending him into the future again, but before it blows up to try to figure out what's going on. But Bashir says, this plan that I have to send you not the normal way is super toxic and might literally kill you. This is so the they, second time he did it with with uh, Vet Barile, too. Okay, I'm just willing to kill you. Here's I'm going to pump you full of poison, and uh, yeah. let's hope for the best. I'm, I, well, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty cash. Yeah. Look, he lost the Carrington. He's like, yep. ah, the hell with it. Yep. You, know, the, you, know, you might die, you might not die. Whatever, I'm going to play some darts. So they technobabble, technobabble a plant. Bashir gives O'Brien an armband calibrated to send him to the future. It looks a lot and like the front window of the Millennium Falcon. It sure does. It very well might be. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, 
the other thing he uses is also from a toy. Yeah, so, that's fair. Um, he, uh, but he's uh, he's going to send him in there. But he's going to be dealing with severe radiation poisoning as he goes. He turns on the gizmo and is sent to the future. Bonsai tree. He wakes bonsai tree, of course. He wakes up in bed. We see an alarm clock. That's just a bunch of flashy lights. Wait, go back one. How is that an alarm clock? Like how how like I understand you want to do like future whatever, but like I still don't understand. It's four thirty-two. I mean, you know what it looks like, Dave. That's what I was. That's that's Dave. I think it's time to give up. That's what I was trying to come up with. I couldn't think of the name. Yeah, there you go. So uh, he also he wakes himself up in a twin bunk. Did did he remove his bed with Keiko when she left, or did they sleep separately? Hey, no judgment. Uh, it's, a, it's a good thing to do if you snore. You, you might get a divorce, but it's still, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with it. Um, but he tells himself what's going to happen. He's already sick from the radiation. The intercutting of the two of them looks pretty darn good. But you can see until where the they're last like... Second. You can see where they're like, okay, well, we got to put him in something very red because we're going to be using a lot of greens. So does anyone have a red robe? Right. That's why he puts yeah. that red robe on so they can green screen the living hell out of it. I, well, that's, that's true. Uh, but it looks really good. Although there's right the lax section when he's uh, he's helping him get up, we can see the stand-in looking nothing like Colin. <laughs> um, but other than that, I think the like, especially it's 1995, folks, intercutting these two things. They did a really, really good job with it. So they get to Ops when they find a Romulan warbird is attacking the station. Everything starts blowing up. Uh, Then our timeline, O'Brien, this is reused footage from another episode of the the attack there. Isn't that a cool ship? So cool. What a great ship design. Anyway, uh, our timeline, O'Brien, collapses. And Pajamas O'Brien says that the mystery is a cloaked Romulan ship. That's what the singularity was. Radiation O'Brien gives PJ O'Brien his arm gizmo and says, go, replace me. Uh, He does and arrives back with Bashir. He uh, calls Cisco and says there's a... I think maybe not just the, the blue screen thing. I think also... The robe helps us as viewers and the storytellers highlight this is a different O'Brien. This who is has a different returned. O'Brien. Yeah. He's been replaced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And I think that's, oh, there's no batteries in there. That's fine. Um, yeah. I mean, because it's it's kind of essential that we know that they swapped here mm-hmm. and that he left himself to die, quite literally. Uh, so uh, he says there's a cloaked warbird outside the station. They raise shields. And Bashir can tell that O'Brien's swapped, but O'Brien weirdly doesn't come out and say what happened in this scene. He kind of hides it, which is interesting. Meanwhile, Quark is being interviewed by the Romulans hilariously. Mm-hmm. And he's lying constantly. When Cisco, Kira, and Odo come in and say, we got you, Romulans. He's figured out their plan. And the Romulans' plan actually makes a great deal of sense. Yeah. Right? They're af- they're afraid of the Dominion. Dominion can only come through the wormhole. So we're going to destroy the station and collapse the wormhole to protect themselves from the Dominion. Do they know for a fact, though, that destroying the station would 
collapse the wormhole? Or no, because it's two two steps. Yes, you're right. You're They're right. going to destroy the station to cover their tracks. Yeah. Because the Romulans, you know, Klingons are like direct attack. Romulans mm-hmm. are always subversive. Sneak attack. They're they're intelligent. So they're. I think their plan was to destroy the station, destroy the wormhole, and make it look like a an accident. And they Romulans had nothing to do with it. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's how they work. Uh but it doesn't work because Cisco says we've got fifty photon torpedoes locked onto your ship. Time to go. They do, and we see. Uh, if you remember from the pilot, there are no photon torpedoes on the station. This was at the beginning of season three when they were upgrading the defenses. Now all of a sudden, it's he might be lying, but like they can shoot photon torpedoes from the station. That's a bit of a change, um, which would make sense. But it's cool. So uh, the Romulans know the ghost. They give up the ghost. They hop out. And we finish with Bashir and O'Brien playing darts. O'Brien remembers having played the game before. And apparently the exact sequence of darts. I I would not remember that. Uh, But uh, you ready for it, Mike? Mm -hmm. He feels mildly out of place because he's from a different timeline. Mm Mm-hmm. So our O'Brien is dead. Long live O'Brien. Well, I think one of the better beats of the episode is he also gives Quark what he asked for earlier, closing that thing up, showing that he does still have all the previous memories. Right. So that was a, actually a really interesting comedic beat here because I think it serves as a as a tie-up. Yeah. I call so, him, I call uh, him Dabo. Fascinating. We now, this is, uh, this is O'Brien 2.0. Mm-hmm. On on the show and forever forward, we have a different Miles O'Brien. Uh, we have so much to talk about in a little segment we call Count to Four. Then one more. It's Alamarami Nice, buddy. Where the hell out there? Okay, so, uh, yeah, let's talk about, Mike, were there any wormholes in the plot? Well, what what did we put our pin in? Oh, yeah. Well, Bashir's kind of uh, nonchalantness, I think, is, I don't know if it's a wormhole. Clearly discussed. Um, What was the other thing, though? The other other thing was why they didn't put together the Romulans and the Singularity. Yes. Oh, that was interesting. Uh, so definitely a wormhole for me. Also, I will say to this episode's credit, listen, time, we can't time travel, right? We, we, we've yet to figure it out. So regardless of how painstaking a time travel episode is plotted or, or talked about in any medium, there's clearly the general wormhole, right? <laughs> that you could pick it apart. But I think the best episodes of media explain their own internal logic mm-hmm. just enough right just enough to say for all of you out there who are keeping track we are too and we are solving it for ourselves like we, we're yeah. acknowledging Even if it's techno babble right, it, we're is, acknowledging it does have its own and I think internal for, logic yeah for the most part this does that well um the the convenient the most convenient part i would say it's I'm torn because it's very cool also is that they're so quickly able to not just 
grok the time travel, but harness it, right? Yeah. And like create a time travel, a time machine. But also ins- insert a, Mac- a MacGuffin that they can only do it under these specific circumstances with leaking radiation, which is cool because obviously it's poisonous. It's like a poison arrow, so you wouldn't just employ it all of the time because you'll probably kill somebody, maybe. But they very quickly invent a time machine. Very quickly. Well, to be fair, uh, there's an episode of the original series that begins, uh, we just pop back to the 60s to check on stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I have to mention that because it's it's just such a quant... Like, if the, if the time-traveling or time-omnipotent Bajoran god people in the wormhole are so advanced because of their ability to, like, see through time we shouldn't probably shouldn't be able to like invent it in a hot second around the round table but that's about that's about it when it comes to the time travel stuff that i found a little convenient even the because i think they were so smart as to how they plotted the back and forth and it never felt like a repeated beat and it never felt stagnant they you know it's funny to see kind of like nods to other movies not nods but things you i recognize from other properties like the time travel scene in groundhog day where Okay, best friend, let's just wait up with me and play darts all night, or watch right, like, and right, see right, what sure. happens. Or uh, the we got to leave a good man behind, and so we got to swaps, swappy swaps. Uh, but yeah, as far as other things, oh, also I felt like there was something to to do, and Jen highlights it as potentially a red herring, which I think is what it was. But we they really get into the transporter, and there's something I thought for sure there were some cross wires with the transporter that's uh-huh. what was creating all this. Sure. But yeah. I think the writers are smart enough to that I'm gonna I'm gonna label that a red herring instead of a wormhole because they really hit it hard. But well, I think that was more you, to pass blame to the Klingons to kind of obfuscate from the Romulans. Well, because we we have two stories, right? Because we we have the spy versus spy story and the time travel story, and and they're they're intersecting. But mm-hmm. that is sort of the. You know, because there's there's no B story really. Mm-hmm. It is sort of one big A story with a yeah. B subplot, and the spy versus spy part is the B subplot there. So yeah, that's all I really clocked. Yeah, I know. I, I I think it's the same. I, I feel the same way. I mean, God, time travel. Do you know that if we could travel faster than the speed of light, we could see the past. Literally, because could literally, literally we yeah. could literally see the past because like the stars that we see, we're seeing them millions of years in the past mm-hmm. that they may not even exist anymore because of the speed of light. So like if we were going away from our planet faster than the speed of light and put a telescope back on the planet, everything time would be going in reverse. Yeah. Which is so cool mm-hmm. and so crazy to think about anyway. Um, so we, we're not actually time traveling, but we can see the past. Um, Anyway, so, yeah, I, I don't really, I, I think, honestly, it's a really, really well-constructed plot here. And I know that the the writing team on Deep Space Nine weren't super, didn't super love it because it's a very tech-heavy, very sci-fi-heavy, and not as much character-based, which they, you know, they were like, oh, it feels like a next-gen episode, not a Deep Space Nine episode. But I, I frankly, I love those next-gen episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, like Voyager has stuff like that. I love that kind of episode. So, like, I don't have any problem with it whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, the the wormholes themselves, why they wouldn't have thought of the quantum singularity. But, like, they didn't see the episode of Next Gen. You know, they're living on Deep Space Nine, so they missed it. 
Uh, let's talk about a best moment. Well, hold on. Before we get there, I guess, is that a wormhole? Well, we don't know. I'm curious. Jen thinks, you know, Jen is much more concerned about there being a different O'Brien. Because mm -hmm. obviously it brings to mind that episode of Next Gen and that that, that then played over into Deep Space Nine about the second Riker. Right. Riker's evil twin, which they had discussed replacing Riker with Thomas Riker on the show, like permanently. But that is different. Well, it's the same, but different, right? Because he was from a branching in the timeline, whereas this right. Miles is the same Miles. From five hours ago, like so three the, hours so ago. So they try, really tried to hit hard that it's the same thing, but just with a couple extra memories. But at the same time, it's really still a different being. I don't know. That's a whole. That is a wormhole in that there is no explanation as to the physical nature of that. Because, and then me and Jen have a divergence in opinion. She's like, they, this must come up again, and we must. It must have ramifications further down. The, and I have a gut feeling, we never even mention it again. Well, I, I think about it this way. Uh, by the time we're recording Star Trek Five tonight. I'm going to wish that I could replace myself with a version of me that didn't eat the burger. <laughs> and that would be basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I mean, if you think multiverse, then yeah, there's a gajillion of us. So it's the difference. But Well, I mean, in in time... There are still there's, a there's Miles O'Brien that suffered the pain and agony of dying from radiation poisoning, which I don't imagine is pleasant. No. No, I'm sure it wasn't. But and just because... Yeah. We could remove that memory. Hey, eternal sp sunshine like, and spotless look, mind. Think, just think, think about time. Like you know, imagine like your 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 time with Chancellor Jen over the years, uh -huh. and there's something that came out of your mouth at some point, mm -hmm. and you're like, I would happily kill this version of myself to go back ten seconds and replace myself with a person who didn't say that thing. Uh, well, you know what. To really figure that out would be quite a wormhole, Keith, an ethical wormhole, and thus mm. it is planted here in the wormhole section, but shan't be uh, solved, because wormholes seldom are. No, no, indeed. All right, Mike, what was your best moment? Oof. Uh, you know, I think for me the best moment is, and, and what I like about th this episode is that they didn't rest on the time travel laurels and just do the, like I said, the same time travel tropes. In fact, in the in a highlight episode, in a highlight of the episode, they were able to take what they'd learned from the time traveling nature, harness a little time travel machine, and use it as a tool to solve a future problem. And so I think the scene from where they create the cool little armband prop, which I really like, through O'Brien seeing the station blow up and then them formulating the plan, I think is probably my favorite, my favorite scene. Yeah. I mean, and for me to, to go back to what Jen said, it's not a moment as much as it is a writer's decision. Uh, and it was Michael Piller who had the idea of swapping the O'Briens. Mm -hmm. It's, it's less about the, the like on screen moment. It's, it is the, the, the mind trip of it. Um, that I just think is fascinating. It makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. The decision makes sense. Of, you know, like, of course, that's how it would happen. Um, and it's it's just a brain teaser that they injected into the episode. They didn't need to. Uh-huh. Like, the episode doesn't rest 
doesn't you know live and die on that little moment but it's a thing See, we're I, talking about it jen's talking about it i think it's fascinating yeah and i don't know that it i don't know that i love it only because let me i can tell you exactly why have you seen the prestige yes okay you know the horror moment at the end of the prestige where they you know whatever the magic is that has been creating right. all of these clones don't you know, spoil like, what it, even do, yes. yeah what do, they you find that the, the replicants it's horrible yeah the replicants have met an end that is not awesome right yes i feel like this prestige is old enough but you're right no spoilers anyway point is it's a horror ending and this i can't help but think of it as like a twilight zoney kind of horror ending is that like we well, killed o'brien yeah but they didn't kill the healthy one for the for the crap of it he was dying he was like i'm literally dying i there's nothing you it's it, the thing is the the pajama O'Brien couldn't save mm-hmm. our O'Brien. There's 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 no saving him, and like if he didn't go back, what are the what are the consequences of that? So ultimately, consequences of that is everybody dies. He saved everybody. Pajama by O'Brien ends up being the only character who actually time travels, and he time travels backwards. All the other stuff. The, all the loose ends, I think, are tied up because other O'Brien dies, who had been jumping back and forth. He, well, he do, he does time travel just very briefly. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. but he's dead now. So Pajama he's O'Brien is the only living living person, person who has time who traveled. had time traveled. Yeah. So, but but he did it to save the station because and if, because if, they show the dark bits and everything. They they show him getting caught back up. So right. So, but like if if he didn't, if Pajama O'Brien didn't go back and our O'Brien died. Everybody then the station it. blows yeah. up and the wormholes collapsed and and like so he, it was heroic. It still has a little horror tinge to me, but like you said, that is that is kind of cool. I love that, that but I cool. but I I I love that little thing they threw in there to just make our brains blow up a little bit. All right, well, there's only one thing left to do, Keith. There is indeed. You know, I like I like uh, time travel things too. Obviously, I love me Quantum Leap. I love Looper. I love Back to the Future. I love time travel episodes in TV and media. And, and like I said, they usually fall into a couple of traps. This avoided most of those traps. They didn't prolong it. They didn't make the other O'Briens like this guy. You know, whatever episode that was, the like. Scary, like they didn't keep it a mit- you know what I'm talking about? Like the juggler guy who's like, No idea what yes, you're talking about. It was an episode of this show where they, every time they, they had a flash or he touched somebody and be like, This masked character. Oh, but it wasn't time traveling. Was I know, a- I know, but they could have made the O'Brien time travel. Like they didn't prolong what's going on. Why am I seeing more? Oh, right. Us? They at least like answered, Yes, right they did away. not like. And then from there, it escalates into in different series. Oh, he's time traveling. Oh, it happened again. Oh, it's repeated itself. Oh, let's prevent it. Let's find out why it's happening. Then let's use it as a tool. Now let's use it as right. a tool to save everybody. It, everything is progressing, stakes progressing. The t- the, And then they're able to, it doesn't stick to the five-hour timetable. They're able to manipulate that, which is a really cool idea. They introduce interesting problems to solve with the time travel, uh, mysteries within the time traveling, not just the ultimate of how and the why. So it's all that is really, really cool. I think the general plotting is pretty good. I think Calm's 
performance is across the board. Everything is, is really good. I even think the obfuscation and the political sort of spy versus spy is pretty interesting. Maybe more interesting. I would have liked a little bit more of it, but I think you're right. I mm-hmm. think they're just reminding us it's there, and it will come. It will come forward. I will say, upon I've my opinion of it has improved in the subsequent time of us discussing it. It usually goes the other way. Usually talk me down from stem bolts, but I think you've actually talked me up in stem bolts. Yeah. I really can't find much not to love about this. In fact, it it does all of the sci-fi things we love. If only the if only the like dangling dangling chad is that the the time travel of it all, which I think time travel is for me the pinnacle sci-fi concept. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got your hover cars, yeah, you've got your this, you've got your that, but the teleporting and time travel are, and we've got teleporting here. Time travel is like the most, for me, highest reaching fruit on the tree of sci-fi, right? Yeah. And I guess immortality is up there. But anyway, let's just stick where we are. Time travel. And and, and they there's a convenience to it here uh, that they kind of, that convenience, they sort of hide behind, what's the word? Oh, we happen to be in this nebula with the this and the that and the radiation the the all of the essence we need for time travel which is really hard to do to create to manifest we just happen to be at the nexus of all of those things but at right. the same time all books all tv all media all stories generally or, or so, musicals right they're only singing because there's no other we've reached the exact plot point of emotions are so high there's no other way to tell we've got to sing so right, that, right. that that is that's why these things happen conveniently. They just happen to happen a lot <laughs> with the, with Star Trek. But anyway, or sci-fi. So I forgive all of that, basically. I acknowledge the bias of convenience and say, well, yeah, it's still cool. And I think they make the effort more so than sometimes. Remember sometimes we say they write backwards and it's they kind of leave a lot of holes in the middle? This, I feel, is the opposite of that. I think they really yeah. plotted it through and it, and it shows. And it's a fun episode. Are there grand ramifications? No, but they dash a lot of... Not that you know of. Correct. But they dash enough of, hey, Odo is... There's stuff going on with Odo. People are interested in that. And not only interested in that, Keith, but this is the kind of... The second I said it, I recognize when I say there's not a lot of... What's the word? Uh meat on the ultimate bone but then i remembered that the romulans here have shown their hand that they are willing to kill everyone Mm -hmm. to protect against a friendly reminder the founders who last you saw are just it's odo's mom and she's she's concerned to meet his to meet his girlfriend she just wants to make sure that kira's okay no 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 they might want to kill everyone, and we people, everyone, all of our en- frenemies are willing to blow up everyone and deal with those consequences. So, if the Romulans are willing to do it, I imagine the Obsidian Order is willing to do it. And I imagine so a lot. It's it's very a volatile scenario in the, in the grand well, piece of it all right now. Hundred percent. So, yeah, that box gets checked for me too. So ultimately. Whilst sometimes I get very excited and I jump out of my seat and I love, you know me, even a LARPing episode, some things can excite me. <laughs> uh, this one is actually pretty great. And I love that it's a, it's an O'Brien episode because, and but with the times we see Cisco, the time we see Dax, hey, welcome back to the show, Dax, by the way. 
I haven't seen her in a spell. I don't know. What I'm getting at here is I, I really liked it. I really liked it. I'm going to give it a solid, firm, directly on the nose, 90 stem bolts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, all, all that you said, I I also agree with. I think, um, I think it's a, especially for a time travel, a complex time travel episode with many shifts, it's very tight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very well thought out. Um, the performances are great. The I mean, I loved seeing the station blow up. That was exciting. Cool. Um, and I think you're 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 right for the the bigger story elements, right? It the bigger the bigger story was was the B story sort of in this episode, but I think it was also um, important to the episode and important to building our greater stakes, our greater world. And you realize, you know, and we started the season with the with the ramifications of this but again we're seeing a progression right so at the beginning of the season the romulans got involved they're nervous about the founders so they give the federation a freaking cloaking device which is a big old deal having a tenuous alliance um because they want to know what's going on because they can tell that there's a threat now we've moved in there were 18 episodes later they have assessed the threat and they're like we got to take drastic um, measures to to get rid of this threat. Because if you think about it, you know, the Cisco decided to, like, just give the wink-wink and say, go away. But had, this, had the, their plan worked, right, they blew up Deep Space Nine, collapsed the wormhole, the Federation is a very good chance they would have figured out what happened. Mm-hmm. And that the Romulans did it, and that might have started an intergalactic war, which I think we're headed for anyway. If I understand correctly, uh, you don't know. Well, uh, you, you don't know. No spoilers. It's um, not. But you know what I will say? It's clearly I'm I'm waiting for the focal point when it comes because when I mention to anyone, and you know, like we do this podcast, and I want people to listen to it, so I do mention, hey, we're doing a Deep Space Nine con- uh, podcast. Without f- fail, every human being says, did you get to the Dominion Wars yet? The Dominion War? And I say, "Uh, no. (laughs) So, uh, clearly it's coming. Uh, You know, no spoilers. There there might be some conflict in our future. (laughs) (laughs) Is it going to be like a multi-season conflict? That's kind of cool. No spoilers, but... uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No spoilers, but... uh, um, we're TikTok, okay, and All possibly right. for the rest of the run of the entire series. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> um, so Ben's, gonna, uh, Ben's losing his hair quick. He's he's. Oh, we are only one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, like seven episodes away from full Cisco. Okay, means bald and goatee when we finally meet Cisco. All right. We haven't met Cisco yet. It's insane. Until we in in it's I like Riker's named a dog beard. after him. Holy crap. Yeah, it's no, it's crazy. Um, but anyway, the the geopolitical ramifications going on here. We have Klingons and Romulans, the two other biggest is in the quadrant. Oh, are you still there? Who crashed? Was it me or you? What happened? Am I not here? I don't know. My video froze. I still see you. All right. Well, fine. Okay, we're back. Um, so we we have the Klingons and the Romulans, the two biggest other powers in our quadrant and they're all wrapped up in this Mm -hmm. and um so 
there's a lot going on here subtextually or 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 track laying moving forward which i really like so um not to believe we've been talking for too long i also agree i really like this episode you know it's it's not one of those like you know defining episodes of the top 10 or whatever but it's a very good episode that i i like on a sci-fi level and on a story level um bigger story level so it for me gets 91 self-sealing stem bolts and uh in the world of deep space nine on imdb where where do you think this lands out of 173 episodes on imdb where does this land for you you guess uh it's 122 that'd be terrible that'd be like lower yeah i don't know i really have no concept it is number 61 oh, good. So out right of then. 173. So it's not it's not top 50, but it's it is top 70. Keith, with, yes. th- we ha- there's another opinion we have not listened to. Oh, do we have it? We do. Not oh, only that, okay. but my favorite part of watching the show with CEO Jen now is that she takes secret notes. Secret notes! And so I've begun now, starting this week anyway, uh, at the end of the episode, before she even levels her critique... I mm-hmm. I do a dramatic reading of those notes. Oh, I love this. Let's so hear it. So here we go. Let me make sure we got enough volume, and uh, here's hoping it works. Yes. Presenting Jen's Notes. <laughs> All right, Visionary. It's only on this side. These are my doctor's appointments. Okay. Visionary. <laughs> Romulan Delegation. Darts. That's, that's circled. Radiation, Radiation poisoning. poisoning, section 47. <laughs> ensemble episode. Ensemble episode. Rap, rap okay. Something's, Something's wrong. Something's wrong with the replicators. Replicators. Yeah. I thought that was definitely going to have something to do with it. Was that a red herring, probably? Odo, figuring it out. <laughs> Davo 3. Davos 3. Okay. <laughs> what do you think about this episode? I loved it. You loved it? I loved it. Are you, we got to see everybody. It was a true ensemble, ensemble episode. Uh-huh. I was hooked. I was I was really into the story, the time travel, what was going to happen. O'Brien was great. I thought the scene between him and Bashir when he was like, he was like, oh, you know, faced with his own, mm, yeah. seeing himself. Perish. Um, yeah, checking his own pulse was, and it was great. And then the end scene where Cisco and Odo and Kira confronted... <laughs> Confronted the Romulus. Mm-hmm, Romulans. Confront. That was great. So I'm going to give it a 94. Jen! 94? No! Oops. Oh, boy. Uh, 94 from 94 Jen. All right. Wow. I don't, I don't know why that's still playing, but. For you! All right. We have, we have handed out nearly 300 stem bolts. <laughs> I today. love that she thinks that entire species is called the Romulus. <laughs> The Romulus. Well, you know, I'm sure. Why not? Yeah, why not? I mean, it's it's, it's actually more based on a real world, yeah. real word than Romulans. Uh, all right. So next week we'll be talking about distant voices. Ooh, okay. So uh, hang on to your hats for that one. Uh, very excited. Folks, you can check out our other shows. Look at my Star Trek toys, K&M Geekly, Strange New Show, Keith and Mike Watch, Strange New Worlds. Uh, we all doing even more bonus nonsense at patreon.com slash K&M. Spell out that and 
Uh, lots of other fun stuff. All of our uh, socials or whatever are there below. We will see you back here next week. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. What's your tonight? Thank you for watching KM Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe. Or become one of our patrons at patreon.com slash KM.